Welcome to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast, where we dive in deep to all things business, wellness, creativity, and activism for artists and entrepreneurs. We talk with impactful, female-driven companies and founders for an inside look at the entrepreneurial experience, where you'll come away with tangible steps to elevate your business. Are you ready? I'm your host, Phoebe Sherman, founder of Girl Gang Craft, artist and designer and marketing obsessed. We're here to learn together how to expand our revenue, implement new organizational techniques, and cultivate best business practices as we work towards creating a life doing what we love. Let's get started. Hello, creatives. This is my last time recording anything in my current Salem office, and I don't know if you hear the sound from the AC right outside my windows, but oh my god, it's so loud, and this will happen no longer. I am moving. We are in a new office space, and you know, there won't be an AC right there at my window. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but hopefully we don't have a whole building's bunch of their AC units right next to where I record. So onwards, today's episode, we have a really special guest. We have Kat from 21 Seeds, which is a San Francisco-based tequila company. Obviously not made in San Francisco, right? But based in San Francisco, woman-owned, we're going to get into it. But first, I want to talk about what's going on in our world right now. So we have a couple things going on, right? We have our Oakland Craft Fair. This is December 3rd. We have our Salem Craft Fair. This is November 26th on Small Business Saturday. And we have our directory. If you've been in our world, you know what's up with all of these. And vendor applications are open now. And they close September 21st, okay? Day after my birthday. So get those apps in. I'll say a little bit about the directory. The directory is a really cool opportunity to get in front of our community of small business lovers and to be associated with other businesses just like yours. So it's a shoppable guide for business lovers and business owners alike to shop for the holiday season. So it's online from November 11th to January 11th. And those apps also close September 21st. And the cool thing this year is that all those apps are actually sort of glued together. So you can apply for what you want in that this time. So go to girlgangcraft.com slash events and hurry in and get those applications in before September 21st. Okay, we're going to hop into the episode and let's go. Hello, creatives. Welcome to Girl Gang Craft, the podcast. We have an amazing guest on today. I will let her introduce herself, but we have Kat Hontas on the podcast. And yeah, welcome to the podcast, Kat. Phoebe, it's great to be here. Yeah, so I am just so we can make the introduction to the audience. I'm Kat Hontas. And I am one of the three female founders of 21 Seeds Tequila. And I started the company with my sister. So I feel very fortunate to be in business with my sister, who I have known my whole life. She's my younger sister, but a lot of people think she's my older sister because she's so responsible. And our dear friend, Sarika. So it's a girl gang over here as well. We love it. We love being in business with girls. We also have a female-owned distillery in the town of Tequila, which a lot of people don't realize there's actually a town of Tequila that makes our delicious infused tequila. And that's the big difference of 21 Seeds is that 
These are all natural, real fruit infused tequilas. So super delicious, very easy to drink, but always drink responsibly, or we like to say seeds responsibly out there. But yeah, so happy to be here. Excited to talk all things female founded, entrepreneurship, and tequila, the holidays, how you entertain, ready to dive in. Love it. Okay. How about we just start with what is tequila? Good question. So tequila is a distilled spirit first and foremost. And the reason I even start distilled mean, yeah. So that's a good, let's start at the basics. (laughs) this, This is a good place to start because this is really why I started 21 seeds. So I used to be a wine drinker and that's how I finished my night. Like every night I'd have a couple glasses of wine, rosé or white wine, or like, even if I was out and about, that's what I would order. And so one day though, I started feeling crappy. I went to my doctor and I didn't know what was going on. We'd ran some tests and he's like, Oh, it's nothing. Let's see what you're eating and drinking. Oh, it's the wine. Okay. And then he said to me, stop drinking wine, stop drinking fermented spirits. And at that point I hadn't really like thought about what was fermented, what was the alternative to fermented. And he said, stop drinking fermented spirits. So no more wine, no more champagne, sake, beer. Those are all fermented. And instead he wanted me to drink distilled. He wanted me to drink to a distilled spirit. So I was like, well, what's that? Like, what's a distilled spirit? And he's like, you know, like tequila. He's like, I'd prefer that you switch over to Blanco tequila. And I was just like, wow, that's aggressive for like a Tuesday night. I'm going to be like drinking tequila instead of an easy glass of wine. I'm like, that just a sounds aggressive. B it's like, reminds me of college, you know, and that's my crazy dog pizza that's barking in the background. So I apologize for that interruption. But anyway, so yeah, I, at that point, I'd never really heard it like distinguished in that way, right? Like between fermented and distilled. So the quick answer is fermented is when, you know, you just take the juice from grapes, it's juice, it's sugar. Basically you take the sugar and you add the yeast and the byproduct is alcohol. Now it's lower ABV, right? Alcohol is like usually like fermented is usually around 12% is your wine, 12 to 14% alcohol by volume. But anyway, the thing with that though, is that there's still a lot of living stuff in fermented like wine and beer and champagne that can like react with your body and make it hard to metabolize. And so that's why, you know, as we started this company, we heard from a lot of people saying, oh, I'm having the same problem with wine. I'm having the same problem with wine or champagne. It's giving me headaches, too much sugar. So there's all that. And then when you move over to distilled, it's just cleaner because you take that wine in essence. And when you make tequila, you start with an agave wine, you make wine first, and then you boil it. And when you boil it, the alcohol burns off, it becomes vapor. So there's nothing nothing living in it anymore. And it goes up the column, then you condense it like rain and it drips down and it rains tequila basically. So that's the difference. And it's just a, it's sort of a cleaner way to drink. If you're dealing with any sort of, I don't know, issues with like sweating or having hot flashes or red face or, you know, like headaches and things like that, you might try switching from fermented over to distilled. That might solve it for you. It did for me. That's basically what prompted me to start the company. That's so interesting. And I have a couple of questions because I also am like, you know, having migraines and like not able to drink like I used to and, you know, sort of have, you know, just written it off as like, I'm getting older and my body doesn't like it. And, you know, and then there's a sort of like word going around about sulfates and like sulfates are bad. And 
I don't know. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. All all that stuff is totally true. (laughs) And by the way, that's the other reason he specifically recommended that I switch to a Blanco tequila instead of an aged tequila. Cause that's really where like the sulfates and the, they're called congeners. They're like headache causers. They're in the wood, right? So when you age, so all dark spirits, brown spirits, right? Start off as clear spirits. And the reason they turn brown is because you put them into the barrels and then the stuff that's trapped in the barrels, like they're all, you know, whether they're bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels, you get those notes that seep into it, but you also get the stuff that's in the wood, you know, and wood that's made these days, barrels that are made, they're made commercially. It's not like the old days where they'd like, you know, chop down a tree without any chemicals in it and like, you know, shape the barrel and all that. That's just not the case anymore. So everything's done fast and in a commercial way. And so there's just chemicals trapped in that wood that also leach into the liquid. And so again, if you're really focused on drinking cleaner, any white spirit is a better way to go. So whether that's vodka or tequila, you know, and then it's just a preference thing. So the beauty of tequila is it comes from the alcohol itself comes from an agave plant versus like with, you know, say a gin or a vodka where it's made from a grain, it can be made from different things, but anyway, so it's really up to the sort of flavor profile that you like. And I found that Blanco tequila, you know, was in it of itself, just a hint sweeter, a little lighter. So that was a good starting point, but it was still, it didn't matter what Blanco I was trying. They were all harsh, right? Like tequila on its own is, can be quite harsh and, you know, hard to drink. And I like things easy. I don't have time for complication and, but I want things to taste good. Like I'm not just going to put something in my body that doesn't taste amazing. So I was finding it challenging to do that just from plain Blanco tequila. I found them all to be harsh. And if I wanted to smooth them out, it required too much fuss, you know, and I don't love to drink sugary sweet things. So I think a quick way to mask harsh is to add a bunch of sugar to it. Cause then you don't taste the harsh anymore. And I wasn't looking for that either. Cause I wanted to feel better. And it's also you know, going to give you a headache. <laughs> it's going to give you a headache. Exactly. So I had to just come up with my own solution really. And so my solution to it was, Hey, I love to cook. And I remember infusing back in the day, like I'd make sangria every once in a while. I'm like, I wonder what that would taste like in tequila. And so I just started throwing fruit into tequila and, you know, sort of seeing what would happen. And the result was just incredible. I was so surprised by it. Like it really did totally change that Blanco hundred percent, right? Like it wasn't harsh anymore. It was smooth. It imparted a hint of flavor, but it didn't make it really sweet, which I don't like. It didn't have like a weird aftertaste. It just, it was so delicious and it smelled great. It didn't remind me of college, you know, cause like you pop open a bottle of tequila, you're like, Whoa, college days. And that wasn't the case anymore. So it smelled good. It tasted good. And most importantly, super easy to drink. Right. I could just, I would actually put it in a wine glass. Cause I love holding a wine glass and put it into the wine glass, you know, add some club soda, some ice, a slice of orange. And that drink was you know, if you're drinking 21 seeds, that's 59 calories for a, like a whole spritz. And it's like half the calories of a glass of wine with none of the headaches. So it was good. It was a good solution for me. And I did that for a very long time before I decided to turn it into a business. 
Okay. I want to go all into the start of 21 seeds and how you, how you created it and how you worked with the distillery. But one more question about tequila, because I think it's fascinating. I was in the restaurant industry for a long time. So this is a nice refresher because it's been a little bit. Okay. There is sort of, you know, something going around that says tequila is not a depressant rather than other alcohols are a depressant. Is that true? Is that a myth? Can you speak to that? Yeah. So basically I think the reason why that that's the perception of tequila is I think it's more around the occasion that you drink tequila or traditionally, you know, we've consumed tequila, right? If you think about like, you know, when are the times that people are most often drinking tequila, it's usually in a party atmosphere, right? Like you're, you know, it's like in college or right out of college or just whenever, like you think about it, you're celebrating something, you're like shots, you know, and, or it's Cinco de Mayo and it's margaritas or margaritas around barbecues and things like that. So I think it has more to do with the occasion than the actual spirit itself. Right now, again, because you're not aging it, right. And this is, if you're drinking Blanco tequila. Now, when you get into the aged tequilas, like the Reposados, the Anejos, those are aged. So I can't say that that's the case, but when you're thinking about shots and stuff, I think people were drinking Blanco, right? Like they're drinking just clear shots of tequila. So I think it just was sort of this perfect storm of the occasion in which you would consume Blanco tequila. But the fact that it is Blanco versus aged made it so it didn't like cause your body to, you know, to get the headaches and all of that. So that stuff tends to like slow you down. So in and of itself, it's not an upper, you know, tequila is not an upper the same way that like vodka is not an upper, you know, all alcohol is meant to sort of mellow you out. I think though, that we override that when we think tequila. So yeah, that's kind of my answer to that one. I would say. Okay. That's totally fair. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the beginning of 21 seeds. So you were infusing tequila yourself and then what happened? So I noticed that a lot of my girlfriends were switching from champagne and wine specifically over to tequila. And so they started asking me for bottles of the tequila that I was making at home. And that was like happening pretty regularly. And so I kind of thought, wow, is there, you know, is there really nothing on the tequila aisle that sort of addressing the way that, you know, so many of my girlfriends and my guy friends too, who are like looking to drink cleaner, sort of better for you, moving away from beer specifically, because they didn't want all the carbs that are in beer, you know, and also just not feeling so great from drinking it over to tequila. And there was nothing that was sort of speaking to this like casual way of drinking tequila. Everybody was talking about like, oh, you sip it, you sip it, you know, they would sort of be marketed like scotches and whiskeys. And so I realized there was just, there was nothing like this in the tequila aisle. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. Maybe there's a white space here that we sort of tapped into. And that's in fact what it was. Like there just wasn't anything like this kind of talking to that consumer who wants to just drink it every day, as opposed to the shots or the sipping it once in a while. Like People were now drinking tequila daily. The way they were drinking it was when I'd notice how they'd order it in the bar, they'd say, can I get tequila, club soda, three limes, you know, or tequila, club soda, an orange wedge or a grapefruit slice. Right. So it was like people were drinking tequila almost for like the wellness reasons of it. 
and not necessarily for the taste, right? It wasn't like they were looking to drink, I don't know, like a flavored scotch or something that tastes like peanut butter, right? It was like, they just wanted it for the health reasons almost, and didn't really necessarily want to be tasting that strong taste of tequila. And so based on that, I thought, you know what, let's bring this product to market. But like, how do you make tequila? You know, because at the time, it's not like I had come from the spirits industry. I had worked in the entertainment industry before this. And so I didn't know. And so I went to my sister, who's quite smart. And I'm like, you've started a lot of companies. Like, you know, do you know how to make tequila? She didn't know how to make tequila. She loved my tequila, but she's like, if you're starting a tequila company, I'm on board. So she was on board. And then we went to our friend Sarika, who actually did have some food experience, like in bringing products to market. And because we wanted to infuse the tequila with real food, we were like, okay, we need to, you know, bring somebody who understands that. And so she was down, she'd had my tequila. And so the three of us then embarked on this journey and we went down to Mexico, which is, you know, where all tequila is made in order to be called tequila, it has to be made in Mexico. And we just started visiting distilleries and sort of, you know, kind of had a crash course, you know, in how you make tequila and who makes it, how it gets made, you know, it has its own governing body. So there's something called like the CRT that tells you exactly how it has to be made. And that's a Mexican run, you know, governmental organization. So there's just a lot more to making tequila than if you wanted to start, say, a vodka in the US, right? But we figured out how to do it. We found this great partner who would let us do what we needed to do at the distillery so that we could actually infuse. And then we, we launched the company in 2019 in California. And our first customer was BevMo, which is like a big, you know, BevMo because you used to live here, but you know, it's like 140 stores in California and they bought all three flavors. Are they only California based? Well, they're in California, Washington state and Arizona. So they're in three states and now GoPuff actually bought them. So you can now get 21 seeds through GoPuff, which means it can get delivered to you in an hour which is right. pretty cool. Yeah. Right. So go on the Puff app and order 21 seats. But we ended up making three infusions, which are cucumber jalapeno, Valencia orange, and grapefruit hibiscus. They're all delicious. I love them all equally. <laughs> Everyone's always like, which one do you love the best? And I'm like, it's like my kids. I love them all equally. <laughs> do, do you drink I- them straight or do you have like soda in them? Yeah. So my go-to every night is the Valencia orange club soda slice of orange. Like, and my trick too, is I love taking the slice of orange and rubbing the inside of the wine glass. And of course I drink it in a wine glass. So I like to rub the inside of the glass with the orange first, and then add the tequila and club soda. And just that little bit of liquid from the orange, it's like perfect. It perfectly, perfectly flavors it like the whole thing. And so, and I have two of those every night and that's my go-to. If I'm drinking a margarita, I love our spicy, our cucumber jalapeno infused tequila. I'll use two ounces of that, which is basically, you know, a three count pour. I go like one, two, three, because I hate doing math in the kitchen. And like, who has a measured shot glass right in their kitchen? Not one human. So that's one thing I never understood about like the recipes all have to be in ounces. I'm like, no one does ounces, you know? So anyway, I'll do a three count pour of the cucumber jalapeno and then one tablespoon guys of fresh lime juice and one tablespoon of simple syrup, shake that up, 
It is the perfect margarita, same recipe for a regular margarita made with the Valencia orange. But like people are so, I think, have gotten so used to having so much lime juice in their drinks because regular alcohol, like traditional tequila or vodka is so harsh that they, you have to mask it with so much lime juice. You don't have to do that with 21 seats. Like less is more. And the less you put in a drink, the less likely you are to have a headache the next day. So I'm all about keeping it light and flavorful. So if you have two drinks, are you feeling great the next morning? Feeling amazing, like amazing. And it's sad because every now and then, of course, right? Like I'll see a glass of rosé or something and think like, oh, I just, you know, it's rosé, it's summer, I'm going to have a glass. And it's like, I pay the price the next day. So for the most part, I just try to avoid it and stick to the spritz. And that's why I'm so busy always creating different cocktails for us, because I want to be able to experience everything, including like the frosé or, you know, and so I'll come up with recipes, you know, like I love, for example, what I'll, what I love to do is like take cocktails that we all love, like a mule, for example, right. I love a mule, but ginger beer has so much sugar in it, right. It's so, so much sugar. So how do you like make that without all that sugar? And I'll use like the cucumber jalapeno with club soda instead of ginger beer, and then just add a splash of ginger ale. And that does it, you know, so just kind of rethinking, you know, cocktails that we all know and love and how can I recreate all of those things, but keeping them cleaner, a little cleaner, a little lighter so that you can have two of them and not feel like crap the next day, you know? Yeah. Because it's really the sugar that makes you feel bad. And like, I was sort of, not only do I get headaches from a lot of wine and even beer sometimes, but it triggers my asthma for some reason I get like coughing. Well, that makes sense. Cause it's like, all of that is inflammation, right? And like, that's what we're all about. It's like immediate. immediate. Yeah. And the minute things get inflamed, then suddenly nothing works. Like none of your stuff is working. Your mitochondria isn't in there, like vacuuming all the crap out of your cells and letting them heal and do what they're supposed to do. So it's like, it's all about just, you know, putting things in your body that aren't going to cause you to be inflamed, you know, and then everything works properly and all the systems fire the way they're supposed to. Yeah. (laughs) So you launched right before the pandemic. How did that affect your business? Did you, because you had just sort of started, did you see any sort of unexpected turbulence, if you will, carrying through? Yeah. So, you know, for us, it didn't affect us as much as other industries, of course, like our friends in the restaurant and bar industries just got annihilated in the beginning, right? Which is like, and they're still recovering. So I would say for us, we launched the brand really in retail first, you know, that was our focus. We weren't so focused in restaurants and bars because we felt like we were really, really focused on reaching the female consumer first and foremost. Like we knew guys would drink 21 seeds and they do, but we wanted to reach out to our girls first. And, you know, I'm wearing my sweatshirt girls call the shots. Right. And which I love. So we wanted to just connect with our girl squad out there first to say, Hey guys, is anyone else having this trouble with wine? And are you looking for something else to drink? And the feedback was yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. Thank God there's something else to drink. Right. And so we knew how to reach her online. And that's what we did. We went online through like women love to refer things to other women. You know, like you find something good that you love. You want to share it with your girlfriends. It's like, it's in our DNA to want to do that. 
So we really like relied on that. So through word of mouth and reaching, you know, our audience through, you know, whether it was Instagram or Facebook or just through like pop sugar, well and good bustle, like places where she was reading information, we were able to let her know about the brand and she was able to buy it. So that's where we were focused. So it didn't affect us as much as it affected the hospitality industry and other spirits brands who were heavily focused on the hospitality industry, right? And that's how they were getting the word of mouth out. So for us, it wasn't as impactful. And then separately, everybody was drinking, you know, like because there was nothing else really to do. And because we were really making these easy cocktails, you know, if you go to our blog, for example, on our website, if you go to 21seeds.com, go on our blog, you'll see so many cocktails. Like I spent the pandemic, like creating all these incredible, easy to make cocktails at home because people are still very intimidated by cocktails, right? They don't really know, you know, I think because mixologists have made them so complicated, you know, they think they're so intimidating, but the reality is you can make an amazing cocktail and it's pretty hard to mess it up. So I was trying to figure out ways to sort of hack cocktails that we love to make them cleaner and easier to drink and easier to make. And so that's what we were focused on. And that's the content we were pushing out. And that really resonated with our consumer. They were like, this is awesome. Cause every Friday they were looking for some little moment of joy, you know, whether they were self-care and just making a cocktail for themselves or making a cocktail for their immediate pod that they were, you know, in quarantine with. And this was like a nice little treat for them, you know, and my whole thing is like, make it special. I'm not the person who like saves the wedding China, you know, or like the wedding silver for it to never be used. I bust that shit out all the time. Like, I'm like, bring out the wedding China, like, you know, bring out the finger bowls for the fried chicken and waffle breakfast, you know, like I love to use stuff. So, you know, I would pull out like, you know, my grandma's teacup, even she has this collection of teacups that I always loved. And I would pull those out during the pandemic and like make myself a cup of tea in that or pour my coffee in that because I was like, I want to make it special. And I think a lot of people were feeling the same way. And that's what we were doing with the cocktails. You know, whether you're garnishing it with something pretty, like why not? You're doing half the work anyway, by making the cocktail, like finish it with pretty things, make it super special. And we really benefited from all of that stuff. So we had a very different experience. Now, the one thing that it did affect us on was supply chain right? Just like with everyone else, like shipping. And even now, right? Like obviously people order 21 seeds through our website and we have a third party fulfillment company that has to do it because legally we're not allowed to sell it to you. So actually a retailer is selling it to you. Reserve Bar does it for us. And so they're shipping it, but we would love it to get to people even faster. But right now it's like trucking, you know, there's containers off the, it's like the whole supply chain is so backlogged. So that's been a problem, but we're working through it just like everyone else. I'm still waiting on a couch in my new place. <laughs> so I hear you. They're like, Oh, you need a new refrigerator. That'll be nine months yeah. You're like, for a refrigerator. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> crazy, but it's all the supply chain, right? It's like the company that makes the chips for refrigerators is it wasn't making them, you know, because of the pandemic and now they're backlogged. So it's like, it's like the whole fridge is ready, but the chip is missing. So same with cars. It's just crazy. That's wild. Okay. I want to back up a little bit and talk a little bit about what you did before this. 
So you were in the entertainment industry. Can you sort of paint that picture for us? hundred percent. So right out of college, I started in the entertainment industry. I had a lucky break. My boyfriend in college, his father is Eric Roth, who was, you know, who is an incredible screenwriter, right? Like he, Forrest Gump, The Insider, Ollie Munich, like you named the big movie, he wrote it. So I sort of learned about this entertainment industry and really knew nothing about it and was fascinated by it and super interested in storytelling. So he helped me land my first job in the business, which was at CAA, which at the time, and even now is still one of the biggest agencies in the world. And so I started there, learned the business, went on to a management production company. And then from there, really like realized that what I wanted to do was tell stories. And so started to independently produce with a partner that I had met while I was at CA, my partner, Chesley. And we went off and we started independently producing movies. And our focus was music-driven films. Like, so, you know, not that I did this movie, but like the way that 8 Mile happened, right? Where they took Eminem and, you know, incorporated the music. And so those kinds of stories around music and musicians or whether the lead was in music. And there's a great movie that we made that's kind of become this cult favorite called Taking Five about two high school girls who kidnap a boy band. And we cast a real boy band in the movie and it was great. It was super fun. And um, writing that down, that sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. And it ended up, instead of going to theaters, it ended up going to, you know, overseas and into television because in the movie, which was about a boy band that where they sort of suspect the lead singer is trying to forge his own solo career, but it turns out, you know, I won't say it because you're going to watch it now, (laughs) Taking Five, but In the movie, the band in the movie is going through this turmoil. And then in real life, at the end of the movie, the real band actually fired the real lead singer from the band. They kicked him out of the band. So, and they were a boy band. And suddenly now they didn't want to be a boy band anymore. They wanted to be a rock band. And so we couldn't release the music from the film. They wouldn't let us release the music. So it was like a big debacle. So crazy, but it shows you as much as you try to control things in life, there are just things that you won't be able to control and you have to pivot and turn. And that was like our big lesson there. So we quickly were like, okay, it's not going to get a theatrical release. Like where can we sell this film now? So that happened. But anyway, so I loved that whole experience, did it for 15 years. And then, you know, once I got married and started having kids, it just became very hard to sort of manage it all. Cause it's, you know, when you're working in the industry, the film industry, it's so emotional, right? Like every one of these stories, you put so much of yourself into it, your heart, your soul. It's like almost like having a kid and it just becomes hard to balance. And so I found that it was becoming hard to balance. And I really wanted to spend time with my kids when they were first, you know, born and be there with them. So I left the industry and then I didn't work for a while, like, a good 10 years. I just was with the kids and always curious and, you know, looking for thinking about what could the next thing be that I work on and focus on. And then it kind of fell into my lap when the doctor told me I needed to switch to tequila and I needed to make tequila better tasting. That's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that background. Totally. We'll just take a short pause here to hear from our sponsors starting with FlexiSpot. So FlexiSpot is so awesome. FlexiSpot makes desks and bike desks, okay? You can get a bike desk with a desk attached to it or just get a biking mechanism to put under your 
desk. They also have desks that convert to standing desks as well. I love my little bike. I can read there. I can edit TikToks, edit videos. I can film TikToks. You've probably seen me in a couple silly videos really utilizing my flexi spot bike. So if you are, you know, fidgety like me or just wanting to get some exercise in or it's snowy where you are, <clears throat> New England coming right around the corner, FlexiSpot is a great option to get some work done and get your legs a move in. And you can use our code GGCB9 for 10% off. And FlexiSpot is available at FlexiSpot.com. And again, our code is GGCV as in Victor 9. As we move into the holiday season, obviously we want to make an impact on social media. This is why I use Adobe Express for visual content. So Adobe Express also has multi-pages now, which is a new feature that I love to use to make sure my content is consistent. For instance, you can use it for real covers and just use multi-pages. You can also use this for carousel posts. So maybe you utilize your social media to really give education about your niche. Adobe Express is really easy to use. It's available as an app or on your desktop, and it's a really amazing way to make impactful content throughout the holiday season and, of course, throughout the whole year. Check out Adobe Express. Okay, so when you sort of, you know, went to Mexico and trying to make this thing happen, I imagine you needed a bit of capital. Did you put personal capital in there or did you get investors? Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Because yep. I know a lot of our community right now, we start pretty small. We're makers, we're making things ourselves from our house or putting our own personal capital. So the investor thing is a little bit less familiar to our community. So, and I know we're all very curious about it. Okay, so let's spend a little time on that. So, yes, initially, when we went down there at first, you know, we didn't know if we could make what we were making in my kitchen commercially, right? Like we hadn't been to a distillery. We didn't know if they had the equipment to infuse, you know, all of that stuff. And could we do it at scale? You know, so what we did was we used our own money until we had a product that we knew we could make commercially, right? So we funded all of the sort of R&D right? The research and development around the product. And once we knew we could make it, then at that point, we also knew that we would need money to bring a product like this to market, right? Like the spirit space is very competitive. It's got huge, you know, big, big companies in it, just like any other industry, right? And like, it just takes a lot of money to get people to know about your brand, right? So, we went and raised money, right? And what I would say about raising money is you have to just check your ego at the door, right? Like I would, you know, and since we've raised money and the company has become pretty successful, 21 Seeds is doing great and we've had an amazing growth. And we love to talk to founders, other women, especially female founders who are looking to get into the business. And oftentimes I'll hear things like, well, you know, I have a relative who wants to give me some money, but I don't know if I should go into business with my relative, or I don't know if I want to take that money from someone like that or whatever. I just want to be the, here. you heard it from me first. It is very hard to raise money. It's very, very hard to raise money. So if you have someone who's willing to give you money, I would think very hard before passing on that. You know, I would pretty much, 
you know, barring certain circumstances, like maybe the money's from an, like, if it's illegal money, don't take it, but like anything shy of that, I would take the money because it's very, very hard to raise money and it's very distracting, right? It really pulls you away. It's a full-time job to raise money. And the other thing is, is that I think as women, as female founders, especially, I know that you have a big female audience as female founders, the early money that they're giving you is really based on their belief in you, right? And not so much their belief in your product, you know? And so I think as women, you know, if there's a job, say we're applying for, if we say there are 10 things you need to, 10 qualifications to apply for the job, we won't even apply for the job unless we have 15 of the 10 qualifications, right? We got to have the 10 plus five more because we got to prove that we have a right to be there. Whereas a guy will apply if he has six. Mm-hmm. So the same is true with raising money, right? I feel like as women, we feel like we can't even go out there and present a deck to someone unless it's perfect. Unless it's got every, you've explained everything perfectly, plus you've accounted for all the what ifs, right? Like every scenario you've addressed in your deck. And really, you don't need to do all of that. You need people who believe in you, you know? So a good place to start is, you know, your friends and family, right? For sure. I mean, that's who believes in you. Like, you're better off going to friends and family than somebody you don't even know. And don't worry so much about making sure everything is buttoned up. It's more important that they understand what you're going to use the money for, right? It's not your job to predict whether something is going to be successful or not. You're saying, here's the product. Here's the hole in the market that I'm trying to fill. And here's what I'm going to do with the money, right? That's super important. Here's what I plan to do with the money. Here's where I think this money will get me, right? Like if I start here, I think this money will get me so that I will be at, if I'm starting at 5,000 cases this year, this money is going to last me to 10,000 cases. So this is the goal. And what are you going to spend it on? Right. And if you can answer those questions, you know, and you're a responsible person, they're betting on you and you don't have to do much more than that. Like that's what you really need to do. And then check your ego at the door and just go knock on every door that there is. And it's not their job to just look at the data and realize it's a good opportunity. You know, they have day jobs or even, you know what I mean? So it's like your job to be persistent. And you have to, you know, do it with grace and humor, I think are two good approaches, like always with grace and humor and respect that people have the right to say no to you and don't take it personally and just keep going. You only need, you know, a few people to say yes to you, depending on how much you're raising or even one person, you know, to get a yes. And you're probably going to get a lot of no's and you just, you just can't give up on it. That's great advice. And I think that can be translated to really everything that we do, especially as female creators. I mean, we're so scared of no, of showing up, of following through, and we just got to like keep pushing on if that's the goal. hundred percent. Not everyone's going to love your brand, your product, your story. It's fine. They have a right to do it. And you have just don't take it personally. You just can't take any of it personally. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So you got your investors, you made this thing happen. I think 
what I'm hearing is a lot of your focus was on marketing Mm -hmm. and getting people to know about your product. And that's sort of interesting because you're actually not selling directly to consumer. So can you tell us a little bit about what that marketing process was like? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say there is, you know, with marketing, marketing, I forget who said this, but somebody really smart said this. Like, I think they said that marketing works, you know, a hundred percent, like if marketing is a hundred percent, you know, I'm messing this whole thing up, but basically something like you just don't know which 50 is working, right? Half of it is not working and the other half is doing a hundred percent of the job. So the thing with marketing is it's so expensive to get the word out there, right? So you have to be so hyper-focused, hyper-hyper-focused. And that's what we did. That was our strategy. We said, listen, this tequila is for everyone. Anyone looking to drink cleaner, you know, lighter, less carb, lower sugar, you know, easy to make, we address that need. But it's expensive to go after everyone. So who are we focused on? And we really focused on women, really, truly like, we're like, this is who we're focusing on. So then once we did that, we could see every dollar through that lens. Right. And we didn't get distracted by a lot of the stuff that normally happens. Like, for example, when you start any business, doesn't matter your makers out there, right? People ask you, you can spend so much money just giving stuff away, right? Like samples, 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 samples. But you have to ask yourself, like, is that really moving the needle? right? Is that really moving the needle? Like, is that consumer? And I will tell you one other thing. We even were super hyper-focused on like young moms, right? Because young moms, they need the break, right? It's like their world just got shattered more than anyone. They're looking forward to that, you know, rest at the end of the day, that like relax and unwind moment. And wine is going to make them sleepy and they're not done, they still have to be up all night. So it's like, what can I give these young moms, you know, who just need like a little break, but still have work to do. And the spritz, you know, a seed and soda our 21 seeds with clips that answered the, you know, fit the bill. So because we are so hyper-focused, that's what I encourage everyone to do. Don't just even within women, we then hyper-focused initially with these young moms because then that allowed us to funnel all of our marketing dollars to those women, find them, figure out where they are and present the brand to them. And that allowed us to not spend a bunch of money needlessly on stuff that wasn't moving the needle because you have to create critical mass. Like you have to make a groundswell. And the other great thing about our young moms who started drinking us is the minute they taste it, they're already recommending things to friends because they're young moms. They're having these new babies. And, you know, whenever you have a new baby, I mean, God, women having babies now, totally different than when I was having my babies, like half the stuff you all have now available to you wasn't around for us, right? There were no baby monitoring where you could see the baby and talk to the baby and all that stuff, right? So it's like a great place to recommend, like that demographic recommends things to other people. So really think hard on who at your core, who's your core, core audience, who's your power user, right? And focus all your initial marketing efforts on your power user and build a groundswell because they will recommend to other people. And then eventually you'll find a bigger audience and then you can protect those marketing. They're so precious. Otherwise, what ends up happening is you end up having to raise so much money, you give away the whole company, 
right early on. And I know that's the case with a lot of founders is like, before you know it, you don't, you're working for someone else. You wanted to start your own business and now you're working for someone else because you gave away all your money. So if you can be hyper, hyper targeted in who you're, you know, going after, that's great. And the other thing to think about is like, what else do they like? Right. So, you know, and I'm just pulling something out of the air here, but like, say the product you make turns out like, I don't know, fly fishermen like to do that too. You find some affinity. So it's like, great, let's find the affinity that's cheap, inexpensive, you know, and not like sports, right? Which is so expensive, but just like this little niche thing. And if you can figure out affinities for your audience, then that is really, really helpful. And that's what online data shows you, right? So while we can't sell directly, like we're not a direct to consumer company, we can sell through a third party. And then that third party gives us the data on our customers. So we really understand who our customer is, what are their affinities, what other things do they like? And like, so for 21 Seeds, we know that our customer loves interior design and loves animals, you know, loves pets. So we over-index for that. So we do a lot with like interior design companies and we do a lot of stuff like on our social with pets. Cause we are also pet lovers. We, all the founders have dogs and, you know, we love animals. So that was a good news, but Wait, how did you there. find that out? How did you find out that your audience loves interior design and pets? Right. So, you know, there's so much information, you know, obviously, you know, on the web in terms of consumer data. And so once we were able to see who our customer was right for ourselves, we could analyze that data ourselves and see what other sites they visit, what are their other things they're buying. And, you know, by analyzing our, you know, again, our own data, we were able to see who that customer was. So there's a lot of information that you can get from your own, like your own Google analytics, right. That show you those things. And that's really important to like, stop whenever you run a program or anything, you have to stop and review, right? Like, what have we learned? so that you can pivot and adjust. So yeah, so make sure you're looking at your data and there's so many tools out there and you can even get help, right? From like, from Google, from Pinterest, you know, from Facebook, they're very helpful and they will help you analyze data and look at things and help you figure out how to advertise initially yourself and that kind of thing. That makes a lot of sense. So then how did that help you mold your organic reach on things like Instagram? Well, we take all of those learnings, right? And create content that our viewers, our current customers are interested in. And then also, you know, try to create like, we're also looking for lookalike audiences, right? Like audiences that are like our existing customers. So always thinking about how can we create some sort of viral content that's going to get pushed out, you know, and the good thing with tequila is that tequila and funny memes go hand in hand. So, and we love to laugh at 21 seeds. Like I like to say, you know, we're drinking tequila. We're like super cash. We're not serious. We like to have a good time. I kind of personify 21 seeds is that like your best girlfriend, that if she can't come on a trip, then you're going to cancel the trip. You're like, Hmm. We're going to have to reschedule this one because, you know, 21 Seeds isn't coming. So, and by the way, that's a really, I strongly believe that your brand needs a personality. Like you got to personify your brand. So whatever it is, it's like, what's the voice? And this is actually an exercise that we did. And I encourage 
you know, everyone listening to do. And this is left over from my, you know, my entertainment days when I worked in the entertainment industry. So before, you know, when I've worked with many screenwriters and oftentimes before screenwriters, everyone has their own process, but before they get going, before they write one page of story, you know, and actually the actual story, they write like full booklets on each character, right? Like the backgrounds of each character, where that character went to school. Did that character have a broken arm or leg, right? Like, were they an orphan? Were they a band? Like, did their parent die? Are they codependent? Like literally full backgrounds on each character so that when they got, when each character came to a point in the story, they would react to whatever the action was that was happening or the story beat based on that person's history, right? And I think that is nowadays, you can't just brands, they have to be stories, right? There's so much to storytelling around a brand. And especially to be a big successful brand, it's like, you've got to have a compelling story. And so much of that is understanding what is the personality of your brand? Like, what is, what is the backstory of your brand? And so I encourage like everyone to do this exercise of to like really sit down and say, how is your brand showing up for your customer? Right? Like, here's your customer. Like, how does your brand show up, you know, in the morning for them? How does the brand show up in the evening for them? You know, when they're shopping, like, and really thinking through how that happens and being consistent, because that's the thing is, people begin to trust your brand and that you will show up in the same way for them, you know? And for us, we're that friend. We're that friend that like shows up with, you know, the best cocktail and the easy cocktail and the good time and the laugh and the funny tequila meme. And, you know, that's how we like to show up for our fans and our customers. I love that. Are you all on TikTok? So there are folks who do stuff like on TikTok for us, but as a brand, we're not on TikTok because the booze industry is pretty tightly regulated and the platform's audience needs to be over 21 in order to be able to advertise on that platform. So like we're not on Snapchat, the audience is too young. We do not advertise on TikTok, but you know, obviously we can't control everyone and there are people who make fun TikToks about 21 seeds for sure. I love TikTok. I think TikTok is awesome. Yeah. It's fun. My 11 year old daughter is schooling (laughs) me on TikTok big time. She's like a whole expert. Yeah. She's an asset. I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) my God, she's so impressive with it. I'm like, how do you get around all that so fast? (laughs) I love it. So what's next for 21 seeds? Our minis are coming out next year, which we're so excited about. So we have our seed squad starter pack. So it's going to be one of each mini 50, like it's a 50 ml. So it's basically one drink, one shot that you, you know, mix with club soda. You can shoot it. 21 seeds is delicious tequila. You're welcome to shoot it. It's probably going to be the best shot you've ever tasted, but so it'll be one of each. So the cucumber jalapeno, Valencia, orange, grapefruit, hibiscus, cute, cute little bottles. They're so cute with the tiny little fruit on them. And the box they come in is adorable little jewel box. It's going to retail for like $14.99. So $20, you're out the door. Perfect, perfect gift for your girlfriends, like Valentine's, Galentine's Day, and you know, housewarming or hostess gifts. So those are coming out in the spring. And we're so excited about that. And then, you know, we're always looking at other categories that, you know, are harsh, that, you know, 
typically, you know, are, have prevented us from going into them, like, you know, whiskey or even mezcal, these other sort of harsh categories where we could take our infusion platform and go into those categories and make delicious things like, you know, an infused whiskey that doesn't have sugar added to it. Like how great would that be? Right. Versus like some of the other brands out there, they're just full of sugar. So those are things that we're looking at. We're potentially looking at another infusion of tequila, but you know, it takes a long time to like really make it delicious and perfect. We would never want to bring anything to market that isn't. So in the meantime, we're focused on 21 seeds, you know, the three SKUs that we have. And next year, we're really going to make a big push to bring 21 seeds into the bars and restaurants. Now that we have so much distribution, you can get 21 seeds across the whole country now. Like you can get it at Walmart, you can get it at, you know, Safeway and Lucky and Whole Foods and we're at Sam's Club. Like we're in so many places. And if you have any trouble finding it ever, you can come to our website. We have a location where you could just type in your zip code and we'll help you find it. But so we're everywhere in a lot of places in retail. And now the hope is to bring the brand into the restaurants and the bars. And so we can start making lighter cocktails that are really delicious in the bars and restaurants. That's so fun. Well, you sort of answered my next question about where we can find you, but anything you want to add to that, where we can find you specifically or Instagram? Yep. So our thing is 21 seeds, the number 21, and then seeds like you plant in the ground with an S at the end. We're on Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram because that's our first point of broadcasting out, right? Like whether it's a fun cocktail recipe that we've just created or whether like, you know, Jessica Alba or Oprah or whoever's talking or posting about 21 seeds, we're nominated for spirits brand of the year this year. So fingers crossed, we should find out in the next couple of days if we win that, which would be huge and such an awesome, you know, achievement in such a short amount of time. But that said, we did make the O list already. So in my mind, we're already the big winners because we made the O list. I love Oprah, but yeah, you can find us, you know, on that. We also have our really awesome newsletter. If you come to our website, join our newsletter because our newsletter is also really fun and it's funny and it's very well designed. So you're going to get a laugh. You're going to get a cocktail recipe and, you know, we do fun giveaways constantly. We've got really cool swag and we only give it away. We don't sell it. So that's how you can get your hands on it. Our girls call the, sh- the shot swag. And then otherwise, yeah, like ask for us. I mean, again, as founders out there, guys, if you don't ask, you won't get anything. So I'm asking you all go out there, start asking for 21 seeds at your bars and restaurants and demand that they bring it in. If you walk into a place and they don't have 21 seeds, whether it's a a retailer or a bar restaurant, do me a favor and ask for 21 seeds (laughs) and help us do our job. Well, thank you so much, Kat. I learned so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. hundred percent. I loved, loved being here. I wish everyone out there, good luck, stay focused, stay on it. It's hard. It's not easy. Being an entrepreneur is very, very hard and lonely at times, right? You're on this path and journey on your own and, you know, everyone's busy. You have to remember that like everyone in your whole world has their own problems and issues and things they're focused on. So a lot of times it's just all on you to be your own motivator, you know, to like forge ahead, problem solver and everything else you got to do in a day. So congrats to everyone out there that's doing it. I think it's awesome. Thank you so much, Kat. Loved being here. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Gang Craft Podcast. Head to girlgangcraft.com 
slash podcast for show notes and more. See you next time.